Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the From a Certain Point of View podcast. I am Josh, and I am glad to be with you for episode three of the weekly POV. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a great Christmas and a wonderful New Year celebration. Um, Again, I am so excited to be back with you guys and starting this new year with you and hopefully bringing you the weekly POV on a weekly basis if you'll stick around with me. Um, So I want to start this week with my recommendations as normal. And my first recommendation is a movie I, I got to see over my Christmas break that I've been waiting a while for, and that is The Way of Water. Um, I, I definitely highly recommend seeing The Way of Water in the theater as it's meant to be seen, and, and even in 3D if you're able to, um, because, you know, James Cameron does 3D right. You know, I, I know he, he films with 3D in mind, um, and it, it definitely shows. So, yeah, I highly recommend The Way of Water. And I'm also going to recommend a throwback to 2016. I'm going to recommend Rogue One. Um, I recently got this one on 4K and, you know, watched it again. And I'd watched Andor for the second time, really enjoyed it the second time around and found a lot more things I liked about it. And my mind was ready for the slow burn and the kind of three episode arc structure of the series of the first season anyway. And just the journey of Cassian getting to the point where he kind of joins the rebellion by the end, um, where I thought he would be a rebel spy kind of from the get-go were, were my initial expectations. But, but watching Rogue One after watching Andor was really interesting. Um, it definitely added some some depth to it and, and added a little something to it. But, you know, R- Rogue One is so good. And I, I just I can't say enough about it. It's definitely up there um, among my favorite Star Wars movies. And it just reminded me again of how much I loved it. So um, I recommend The Way of Water and Rogue One this week. Um, but let's go into the news. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about um, Andor and, and Rogue One and how Andor season two will further bridge the gap between um, the show and Rogue One. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. Okay. So Diego Luna um, discussed, I believe this was in an interview with Collider. Um, he discussed how Cassian will continue to transform throughout the upcoming Andor season two and um, in his words, he says, I, I think what happens also after prison and in the next episodes is that he understands really what he's fighting against. He understands the need for a revolution because he understands what oppression means, basically, and how little freedom he has and how unfair the world he lives in is. But there's still so much for him to learn in terms of working as a team. Um, he goes on to talk about how there's a lot for him to discover and a big transformation to come. Um, He says, um, as far as episode 12, it's even his, his character will even go further from that. Um, There's a spark there. There's an awakening and it has happened. And now he says, we need to witness four years of the life of this man. So season two is going to take place over the course of four years. Um, you know, season one was five years before Rogue One, and then season two will be those four years leading up to Rogue One. I think each like three episode arc is going to cover one year of Andor's life. So it'll be interesting to see um, how he kind of gets to where we see him in Rogue One. So I'm really excited for season two because that's what I thought. That's where, where I thought season one was going to start. 
but season two is really going to start. It seems like with him in the rebellion and, and, and hopefully being more of that spy thriller rebel spy type of thing. So that was uh, first up in the news. So let's see, moving on next, we are going to talk about Jeremy Renner. Um, So Jeremy Renner was hospitalized. He was airlifted to a hospital in critical, but stable condition. Um, Apparently he was run over um, by a plowing machine um, called a snowcat. Renner lost a lot of blood due to the injury and his neighbor is a doctor and was able to put a tourniquet on his leg until paramedics arrived. Um, So he is currently, I think in, in, um, you know, he's receiving excellent care as it says here in the hospital and he's in critical, but stable condition. So hopefully everything is okay. It was okay with Jeremy Renner. Um, and that, you know, he'll be, he'll be all right and able, able to hopefully return to his, his role as Hawkeye and everything and just hoping, sending prayers, um, his way for sure. Um, next up, we're going to talk about, um, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, and, you know, just how basically Ryan, Ryan Coogler approached T'Challa's illness in in his passing in the film, um, because it's very similar to how Chadwick Boseman died as well. It's kind of this unexpected illness um, that the character has. And it says here that Ryan Coogler recently spoke about how he handed the T'Challa Chadwick Boseman passing. Um, he said, we wanted to have an emotionally intelligent conversation. Um, Coogler told the New York Times, it's about the transformative quality of grief and trauma. Um, there's the expectation with emotional trauma that you just need time. Um, but that's not really the case, you know. Um, so the director was also asked why he decided why he decided T'Challa would die of an illness suddenly as he does in the film. And he said it came down to Shuri's journey, really. He said we wanted to keep it simple. At the end of the day, what mattered is that she had a self-expectation of being able to solve it, and she failed. Um, So basically, her character thought she could save her brother, and she failed in doing that, and and that's something that really drove her character in the movie. It says, if if someone else would have taken T'Challa out, Shuri would have looked for that person. We wanted it to be a situation where the only place to go was internal and kind of this internal struggle she has. And while I did enjoy Wakanda forever, I thought, and I thought it handled the Chadwick Boseman T'Challa stuff really well. Um, the, the whole subplot with um, the, kind of the underwater characters and everything like that, um, it took me out of it a little bit because I felt like I was watching Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of confused about which movie I was watching. And it, it just, I don't think they did. The underwater stuff didn't look as good to me as it could have. Um, and it just felt kind of out of place to me, the, the whole underwater aspect of the movie. Um, I, I think Namor is a good character, but I just didn't love that part of it. But I do think the way they handled this with um, T'Challa, with Chadwick Boseman, with Shuri's character and her journey in this film, I think those are the strongest parts of, of Wakanda forever. So this was some interesting insight from Ryan Coogler for sure. OK, so next up, George R.R. R. Martin gives an update on shelved Game of Thrones spinoffs. So any of you that are fans of Game of Thrones out there or House of the Dragon, which I think was excellent um, in season one, George R. R. Martin has some more information. Um, He says some of those are moving faster than others, as is always the case with development. 
Um, he said, none of them have been greenlit yet, though we are hoping maybe soon a couple have been shelved, but I would not agree that they are dead. He says, you can take something off the shelf as easily as you can put it on the shelf. Um, all the changes at HBO Max have impacted us, certainly. So there's a lot of changes with Warner Brothers and, and HBO and everything that has affected Game of Thrones projects moving forward. Um, some of the rumored uh, currently planned spinoffs include Jon Snow's sequel series, which I'm most interested in because Jon Snow is my favorite Game of Thrones character. Um, the Corliss Valerian focus series titled The Sea Snake. The Princess Nymeria led 10,000 ships and the tales of Duncan egg. Um, so again, you know, readers might be more familiar with some of these other characters. Um, I am a show watcher <laughs> and not the, a reader of the series. Um, so I'm certainly looking forward to, to John's, the Jon Snow um, kind of sequel to Game of Thrones, I guess, if you want to call it. I, I, I definitely would like to see that show. So um, we'll, we will see what happens in the, the coming months and, and years here with Game of Thrones spinoffs. And last but not least, we're going to talk about the box office coming from Box Office Mojo. And um, right now, looking at the um, domestic, international, and worldwide gross of The Way of Water, I, I did see somewhere that The Way of Water has passed um, Top Gun Maverick for the top worldwide release of 2022, which I anticipated. Um, domestically, it's made $444 million. Um, internationally, 956 million and worldwide, 1.4 billion. Um, so, and it, it's the fastest film in 2022 to do this. I think it only took like 14 days for it to, to reach um, that 1.4 billion mark. So, we'll see how Avatar ends up. You know, it, it could could hit 2 billion and and that would be good news for avatar fans and those that want to see further movies in this franchise. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, speaking of the way of water, we're, we're going to get right into my review of the way of water. I'm going to start with, um, you know, just some of my own overall thoughts that are spoiler free thoughts about it. And then I'll get into some spoilers later on in the review. So if you haven't seen it yet, then you can come back and watch those parts later. But overall, um, I want to say up front that I saw this in Cinemax, um, Cinemark XD, and it was in 3D. It was at 48 frames per second. So I just want to say right off the bat here that the 48 frames per second thing was difficult for me to watch. It kind of took me out of it in moments. I got a little bit used to it, but it's just it's just a higher frame rate and fast moving things just didn't look right to me because I'm used to, you know, that 28 or 30 frames per second type of uh, situation. Um, or, or maybe it's even 24 frames per second is, is the normal for movies. And this was like double that. So that, and it's no, it's, I can't really like dock points from the movie for that, but it just isn't my prefer preferred way to, to watch a movie. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in a normal frame rate, hopefully at, at home on Disney plus or on, you know, in 4k Blu-ray when it comes out. But I, overall, I thought this was a great follow-up. We had to wait many years. For, I, 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 what was it? 2009, maybe the first one came out. Um, so it was a long time coming, you know, it was like 12 plus year wait 
but I think it was worth the wait. Um, you know, I, I would love to see it again. I thought it was a great follow-up. Um, I thought the underwater stuff was great, you know, and, and that took a long time for James Cameron to kind of crack that, I guess. And I think it was what paid off because the underwater stuff is, is breathtaking. Um, I just thought it was a very beautiful movie um, overall and just expanded the world. You know, there's a lot of world building for Pandora. And I mean, Pandora is an entire planet. And so there's so much you can do with the world building there. And I, I think this film really capitalized on that. Um, there's also some very emotional moments in this movie. I mean, I was brought to tears at least twice <laughs> and I wasn't like sobbing or anything, but I, I, I was certainly watery eyed and, and I'll get into those specific moments in the spoiler part of this review. Um, but this movie is very much about family. You know, it, it's about um, the Sullys and Jake Sully and, and Natiri and their kids. And it's about all those family things you go through. I mean, there were some there were some funny moments that involved dad stuff and that I could certainly relate to. Um, you know, one part in the movie, they his kids get into a fight with the, the water people, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And, you know, he's he's like upset about it and he's concerned, but he's like, hey, how'd the how'd the other guys look type of thing? You know, it's just one thing that came to mind, um, you know, when it comes to dadding <laughs> and, and family. There was a lot of great action. The, the action was very well done. It was very, for me, easy to follow the action. And I thought there were high stakes. You know, it always felt like somebody was in potential danger and there, there were stakes to all the action, which I think really added to this movie. Um, if I had any negatives, I think it's just a, a tad, maybe more than a tad, but a bit too long. There's certainly some stuff that could have been edited out. Um, one character storyline I felt could have been shed and it, you know wouldn't really have affected the overall movie I, I feel and i'll talk about that in the spoilers um but but other than those kind of couple minor nitpicks and, you know and you also had to t i guess another negative was you had to take kind of a leap of faith for some of the characters that return in this movie from the first one in one form or another um but those are kind of some minor nitpicks because overall I really loved it. I, this was a great experience. This is a great cinematic experience. James Cameron once again delivers a cinematic experience that I loved, had a great time with, laughed, cried, got angry, um, was in awe, you know, all those emotions you want to feel when you go to the cinema, just like Top Gun Maverick did for me. Um, if I, if I would were to give Top Gun Maverick a, a Roush rating, it would be 10 out of 10. This would be more like a 9.5 or somewhere in that range, nine, 9.5. Um, if I had to give it a score, just because I did have some, some minor nitpicks about this one, but I want to get into some of those spoiler moments. So this is where I'm going to step into spoiler territory. If you haven't seen this movie yet, you know, go back, see it. I recommend it again. It was in my recommendations this week, go see it in the theater. Um, then come back and watch this part of the video. Um, so here comes some spoilers, final warning. <laughs> so some of the character returns I mentioned just a minute ago require a leap of faith. Like the Quaritch character um, is clearly dead at the end of Avatar. Um, you know, he's the main villain. He does a phenomenal job. I, I, Stephen Lang, I think, is is who that actor is. And um, he comes back in Avatar form this time around. And I guess the backstory behind that is that they kind of saved all his memories and his soldiers memories before they went on that final mission. Just, it was a contingency in case they did bite the dust, which they did. 
Um, so they bring them back in that way. They basically put the, all their memories and stuff into the avatars and, you know, so there's a little leap there, but I will say I didn't mind it too much because again, I think Quaritch is a terrific villain. I hated him and you're supposed to hate him. They do a great job of making you hate him. Um, and, and just kind of the despicable things he does, but, but they also give him a little bit of, um, kind of some type of redemptive quality with the, the son, um, spider. And, and, and that's the character that I mentioned that I could have done without though. I didn't love the character spider. Um, he does that, have that connection with Quaritch where he's kind of his son in a way. Um, but you know, spider is a, a human character that's living with the Navi and, I mean, maybe they wanted to put somebody human in there just to kind of ground it a little bit, um, which I get. But I, I just didn't love that whole storyline and his character. I think it could have been completely eliminated and it, it wouldn't have really made a difference overall, other than he decides for some ungodly reason to bring to save Quarch's life at the end of the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, let that dude die. I mean, come on. But, you know, so there's that. Um also, the Kiri character is kind of a return for the, the Grace character played by Sigourney Weaver in the first Avatar. Again, she's a character who died at the end. You know, they, she was shot. They tried to transfer her soul or mind, you know, into the Avatar body, but it didn't work. Um, I heard one theory that maybe this Kiri character was an immaculate conception. Um, and, you know, she has this connection to Awa. I thought that was an interesting theory. We'll see, but or Grace's avatar, you know, got busy with, with some other avatar and they, they had this Kiri daughter. Um, I'd like to learn more about this character. I liked as she discovered her connection to Awa and her kind of abilities that she had in this movie. I hope we see more backstory and kind of figuring out some answers behind that character in the next one. But um, overall, I enjoyed the new characters. Again, aside from the spider character, um, I liked Jake and Natiri's kids and their journey and that they each had their own specific personality their you know, in their own abilities and everything They were, you could easily distinguish one from the other, you know, and I think they had like four kids. Um, I had a feeling that one of them was going to die in this movie because, you know, it just seemed like that was what was going to happen. And that does happen. It happens to be the eldest son. I wanted it to be the, the son that's a little bit younger than the eldest one who just kind of screws up the whole movie and does these things that you're just like, why are you doing this, man? You were asking for trouble. And I kind of secretly wanted him to be the one that died. It's a little morbid, but um, that's not what happened. And I that, that character did end up growing on me. I don't know the names of the other kids. I apologize for that. Um, character speaking sticking with characters i do feel that norm had a very small role in this movie which is okay i mean i think he could have had a bigger role but that's fine and i do feel like natiri if there was any of the main characters that were shortchanged i think natiri's character was a little bit shortchanged here she didn't have too much development as a character um you know she pretty much stayed the same character the entire movie which is okay i mean um, you know, she was a very passionate mother and, and, and her motherly role in this film was great. Um, but, you know, I do feel like maybe her character was a little shortchanged here. Um, in terms of the emotions, I felt the whole scene with the whale hunting, um, that made me angry. That was really hard to watch. It was hard to see them hunt that whale and catch that. And it's not a whale. It's like the, the Pandora version of a whale. 
Um, yeah, so I was angry. Um, I was in tears when this one moment towards the end when, you know, that son I mentioned that kept screwing up and everything and, and kind of redeems himself at the end. And in the whole movie, Jake's been just kind of saying how not hiding that he's disappointed in this son, you know, he's disappointed in his actions and all the things that are happening. You know, he's having conflicts and fights with the, the kind of the water race of Navi in this movie that they're, they're kind of, you know, joining with. And, you know, if the first movie was about a human getting to know the Navi and becoming one of them, then this movie is about like two different Navi cultures having to come together, you know, and they're, they're from very different, backgrounds um you know the way of water versus the way of like the trees and tree light you know and like forest life and everything so that was cool um but when jake tells this son that you know kept screwing up the whole movie i see you and that's basically the greatest compliment you can give to another navi is i see you you know i see into you i see i see your soul i see who you are i oh, it has this very layered meaning to it it's not not just i see you in front of me um that got me choked up and you know when they, when they said goodbye to the eldest son who who died um and they showed like the scene of um it was sort of like a flashback scene to when they, when Jake was hunting with him and it just kind of brought that whole thing full circle with the beginning of the movie. I thought that was beautiful. And, and that definitely brought me to tears as well. Um, so again, overall, I really love this movie. I, I gave it a very high rating. Um, I'm looking forward to avatar three and uh, speaking of avatar three, um, I'm going to take a look at, a little bit of news about avatar three and, and jump into that here. Here we go. So um, James Cameron talks about the avatar three plot. He says it will feature ash people, Navi. Um, so, you know, in the way of water is doing really well at the box office. So avatar three is, is scheduled to come out in two years in um, December of, of 2024. He says, um, Ash people, a new Navi culture that is not necessarily as good as those we've seen thus far is, is one thing we can expect. He says um, to show cultures from different from those I've already shown is something he wants to do. Um, the fire will be represented by the Ash people. He says, I want to reveal the Navi from another angle because for the moment I've only shown their good sides. In the early films, these are very negative human examples. Um, there are very, um, negative human examples and very positive Navi examples and avatar three will have the opposite. Um, he says, we will also explore new un universes while continuing the story of the main characters. I can say that the last parts will be the best. The others were an introduction, a way to set the table before serving the meal, but obviously everything will depend on how avatar two will be received if it will find its audience. And I do think it has found its audience. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see like the darker side of the Navi, um, you know, as, as the humans have been the main villains for the first two films, for the most part, Avatar three is tentatively scheduled for December 20th, 2024 with Avatar four set for December 18th of 2026 and Avatar five, December 22nd, 2028. So we will see if all these films end up getting released and coming out. I think Avatar three definitely will. And this movie really leaves that open. 
you know, at the end of the way of water, Jake is basically saying, okay, I've learned that I can't run, um, to protect my family. I can't run and hide basically. Um, I'm paraphrasing here and he has to fight, you know, they have to fight for their right on this planet. Um, so curious to see that overall again, really enjoyed avatar, the way of water. And that pretty much wraps it up for this week's show of the weekly POV. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you are looking for us on social media, of course, our YouTube channel is From a Certain Point of View. Please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. On Facebook, we are From a Certain Point of View. On Twitter, we are at Certain POV Pod. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can send an email to certainpovpod at gmail.com. Ask me anything. Ask me any question you have. If you want me to talk about something, even if you have a comment that you'd like to share, please email at certainpovpod at gmail.com. We are also part of the Red 5 Network. You can find the Red 5 Network at red5network.com and at red5network on Twitter. Again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed the show this week. And until next time, everything I said today was true from a certain point of view.